0: Take a breath, I'm not gonna lose. This is what I came here to do. I walk that wire and I take that step. Won't look down, got no regrets. Won't From Michael Tumlin Designs, down, this no is Creatively Brief. Regrets. I was made for this Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of Creatively Brief, a podcast for creatives by creatives. I'm your host, Michael Tumlin, and I'm very excited to have illustrator and art director Hank Washington on today's show. Hey, Hank, how are you doing?
1: Good, man. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm great. I I appreciate you taking time out of your day and uh, sitting down to talk to me today.
1: Most definitely. I'm I'm happy to be here, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited. I think there's some really cool things we can dig into with some of your work and, and animation and just a lot of really unique things about the work that you create. But before we get too deep into that, can you kind of give us some background into how it is that you got into design? Sort of just what led you to kind of pursuing this as a career path?
1: Yeah, most definitely. So um, so I've been doing design um, close to 10 years professionally. Uh, I guess you can say I've been able to pay my rent with design, so. Uh, but I, I kind of got design kind of late into my college college career. I didn't necessarily know really what design was coming out of high school. I uh, was introduced to kind of the first taste of design and creativity uh, through my brother and his friends. They, you know, they was kind of the first creators I've seen in my family. Right. And um, my brother had this... I had a friend of his that had this blog uh, and this is back in like in the MySpace time when MySpace was the, you know, our current <laughs> TikTok and Instagram. Right. Um, and I used to go there, and I used to go to his profile and his blog, and he used to blow up my mind. He used to showcase, you know, new music. Uh, the guy was an artist, too, so he, you know, he always showcased the things that he was working on and just news in general. And I didn't know what it was, but I knew that was something I wanted to do also. And uh, my brother came to me and, you know, explains to me, like, hey, that's, you know, that's gra- essentially graphic design. Right. Uh, you know, it's specifically web like, web-based. But uh, I was like, hey, that's, that's what I want to do. And then, you know, I ended up uh, going to school and studying, man, and then Uh, The rest is history. That's cool. That's very cool. So then
0: before you kind of got to college and were exposed to that, did you have any like artistic abilities beforehand or like, did you ever like, were, were you like the type of person that would be drawing a lot and stuff when you were growing up?
1: A little bit. I didn't draw too much. Uh, my brother was the biggest illustrator uh, okay. in my family, and I, I used to <laughs> I, I used to get beat up from him because I used to steal his sketches because he, he used to draw amazing characters and things like that. And I yeah. used to steal them and, and color them in, <laughs> and I, he used to hate me for that. But... Um, Uh, but no i didn't i didn't illustrate a lot when i was younger i just you know i'll color every now and then but i was heavily in sports man it was just all sports and it wasn't until i guess late high school uh in college is where i really started honing in on uh kind of the art aspect of everything
0: yeah yeah that's really cool that's really cool i'm a big basketball guy myself i think when we met at creative south i told you that anytime you're down here uh we're gonna have to go shoot some hoops so I'm, s- I'm, I'm holding man. you to that for sure.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Most definitely man. We're going Horse, uh, Game of 21, oh, yeah. all that. We got, we got to get it done. <laughs> all
0: right, we'll see. We'll see. So <laughs> you have a very distinct style in your work. You know, it's a very, like your illustrations are highly stylized and it's a very, like when you see it, you think like, oh, that's Hank Washington. So how did you kind of like develop that? Were there like influences or, or designers or illustrators that kind of influenced your work and kind of where you are now with that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So it um it, it was kind of fun, you know, discovering that approach. You know, I I do illustrations, but I'm not necessarily I don't consider myself on the level of like hyper, you know, realistic or super realistic on right. that level. And I try to kind of dumb it down to something that I can do for fun ultimately, but doesn't take necessarily a lot of, I guess, time, so to say. Right. And um uh, i followed this one illustrator and animator his name is uh rhymes like dimes uh, if you follow him instagram and he does this this he has this really really unique style and approach to his illustrations that blew my mind when i found when i found his profile and i knew i wanted to kind of emulate that or have it influence uh in some kind of way in the things that i was creating and uh uh, and I just kind of utilize that right? and just kind of use that as the influence and kind of the fuel for uh, some of the stylistic approaches um, that I have now, man. So, it, you know, it's a combination of, you know, not being too, too detailed, but also having using like fun and kind of that fuzziness uh, to really, you know, drive that style home
0: right right and for anyone that wants to check out that guy's instagram i'll have that in the podcast notes so make sure to check that out i'm gonna have to check for it sure. out too because i haven't heard of him um but it would be really interesting to kind of compare your work with his and kind of see what what influences made their way to your work
1: most definitely he, he's super talented and he and he does like these short loops of just songs and uh music artists and super talented guys so uh, i'll I make sure i always give him credit whenever i get asked about the style because he was definitely the uh fuel for all that for sure
0: yeah very cool so then to that end, you kind of talked about like, you know, making something that didn't take a lot of time to do and was kind of fun. And I think especially when you're doing stuff for Instagram, like I know for me, I kind of have like, you know, my freelance work and mm-hmm. anything else I may be working on. And then I kind of have like my Instagram work and it's it's separate because it's I treat my Instagram as a place that's more it's more about me kind of doing what I want without having, you know, expectations from others or anything like that and a big thing like you said is the time i mean we're all so busy you know you Mm got to keep it kind of like streamlined in that way so when you started kind of making any designs for instagram whether it was you know the style that you're that you kind of do now or something before that um was time something that was like kind of a consideration in what you were doing like were you always aware of that or was it something that was more like as you kind of like dove into it you realized that you needed to be more aware of time
1: Right. So it was definitely something that came later on uh, when I really got into the social space and started sharing more and more of my work. It was ultimately like, you know, you know, past projects. Right. So, like, you know, working on the freelance and, uh and showcasing like case studies and portfolio work and just kind of recycling those, you know, over in the social space. And then over time, I started to see that I, I was running out of things to actually share. And um, the things that I will make specifically for Instagram was kind of, it, it became more of a burden than it was of a, uh, I guess, something to enjoy, right? Right. So I wanted to um, really find something that ultimately I can enjoy doing, even if I didn't post it on, on Instagram specifically, or mm-hmm. just even online in general, that I can kind of get a break from. All the other type of you know client works that you know you have to work on because in a sense there always there's kind of a box around it. It's only so many things that you can do, and you right. have limitations and guidelines that you have to follow. Um, ultimately, to help them because you know you're the you're the service provider. But specifically doing things like for myself and on my own just to have fun. Uh, you know, I try to get back into illustration, and early on I dived into different realms and different types of mediums just to kind of refresh and kind of you know really indulge in that freedom of you know that little time that you do have when you're not working on uh, client pieces
0: right right for sure and then like how much how much of like did you have a lot of sort of like time where you were experimenting and kind of trying different illustration styles or anything, or was it something more, cause I know like, and we're going to talk about it later, but I know there's sort of like phases of your work. So if you go back on your feet mm-hmm. a little bit, there's a couple different styles that you had that I think are really cool too. But now you've kind of focused more on the, the illustration um, that we're talking about. And so like, was there a time when you were kind of like making those illustrations and kind of just trying to figure out, you know, what it could be almost like before you started posting? Cause like, I know for me, a lot of my work was. I kind of had this idea of what I wanted to do, but then Mm. there's a lot of stuff that doesn't ever like, you know, it doesn't get put out anywhere. It doesn't, it's just kind of me fiddling and I think there's something there, but it doesn't quite get finished. So was there a lot of that when you were kind of trying to hone in on the style that you wanted to go for?
1: Yeah, there was, there was, um, you know, it, it became a lot of doubt. Uh, that came with just kind of trying to hone in on this style, and even just looking back, some of the old sketches that I had before I didn't even started sharing, just kind of seeing where it would go, where it goes, It's, it's almost hilarious to to, uh, to think about. But you know, early on, you know, it was a lot of experimentation, and uh, again, like you know, we talked about earlier, just literally sharing either client work, and you know, I was lucky enough to be put in a space early on in my career to where I uh, was almost. Not necessarily forced but like i guess intentionally pulled into like learning so many different uh verticals in the space and right. just for you know to satisfy client needs and things like that so um uh, but being in that for so you know so many years i was kind of uh prone to learn so many different type of approach and being able to pick up on multiple styles and you know over time, when I really wanted to hone in on something that I could, you know, kind of c- call my own, it definitely took a lot of experimentation. And, you know, there were times that I'll make some things that I wouldn't dare show. Right. Uh, there's a show today. But um, but over time, you know, you, you start to kind of feel it out. And then and after a while, you start not necessarily care too much about um Really the feedback of it, because what I've learned what I'm learning now as I'm getting older and uh, getting deeper into the industry is that uh, documentation is everything. And being able to see where you started from and kind of where you are now is is can be really inspiring inspiring in those times where you kind of feel that sense of doubt and. Um, so once it kind of got to that point, I just started sharing things that I felt that were at least closed. And once, you know, I started to see the response and what people were really liking and things that I felt comfortable making more of ultimately led to where we are now kind of with this this new fuzzy style that uh, people are seeing today.
0: Very cool, yeah. I know, like, you kind of talked about getting comfortable with the, the designs that you're making and stuff, and that's a biggie. And I think a lot of that is almost like it, it's... For me, at least, I feel like it's pressure from social media. So you kind of build mm-hmm. like your brand almost on social media. And and with everybody talking about algorithms and all that, you know, it can be intimidating to kind of change things up. And that's Definitely. something I I literally just like, I think this is week two right now of me kind of like playing with some new design styles. And it's similar. It's still very uh, minimal designs, but it's a little mm-hmm. bit more, I mean, it's more more digital collage than some of my previous pieces and like the first, not the first post, the second post that I posted of that, like the algorithm did me dirty on it. It, I just, I (laughs) like, it was so bad and there was like no engagement. And it was like, I realized, like I talk about how I try to like not worry so much about that. But then when I Mm -hmm. saw that I couldn't stop checking my phone, like I was so stressed out about the fact that it wasn't doing well. And then eventually I kind of just said, you know what, I'm, I gotta let that go. Uh, and so it's one of those, it's kinda like social media can be a double edged sword. On the one hand, it's cool to get your work out there. And on the other hand, like those kind of pressures, I think that's that's dangerous to get in that mindset as any kind of artist that you're kind of creating for, you know, what essentially is just algorithms.
1: One thousand percent, man. Yeah. And that's you hit the nail on the head right there with the double edged sword, man. It's definitely it's gonna come down to who you are and how you're able to manage that. Um, but again, I like you said, don't let the algorithm, you know, uh, fool you or just like, you know, discourage you. Cause it's, it's a sense of what's able to be shown is not necessarily what it is that you're making that it, it isn't good. Um, it's just so many layers of like when you post, how you post, uh, what you sometimes what you post and then, um, how people see it. So it's a lot of layers and factors that play into that. But, uh, but again, you just gotta, you know, be self-aware of like how, you know, what really affects your mood and how it affects you in your performance as an artist, or just as a designer or creator or whatever the case may be. Um, and ultimately, just kind of understand that and pivot what makes sense for you. Uh, but again, just putting it out there because people need to see that because there's someone out there that can look at your work and say, okay, this is somebody I inspire to be, even when you don't necessarily see that yourself, um, but people need to see it. So I always encourage, like, if you're out there, you're putting that work, continue to put it out there. Uh, And and if you have to, delete the app when you put it out there and don't (laughs) download it again until you get ready to put something else out there. Yeah, If that helps, you know, just get into that rhythm of sharing because somebody needs to see it, man. You're, You're inspiring people even when you're not looking.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Very cool. So I want to backtrack a little bit then. So when you were first kind of introduced into graphic design, where Mm -hmm. did you kind of see yourself fitting into the industry? There's so many like, you know, layout design or then like you kind of went more illustration and now you're an art director. So there's a lot of different kind of like ways that you can go with it. So when you were kind of, you know, moving through your design education stuff, where did you kind of see yourself falling?
1: Uh, man, I had no clue to be honest. <laughs> I, I was, I was very, uh, a generalist. I learned as many different things as I could. Um, but I really, I really struggled early on to kind of, and even, even sometimes now to kind of see where I actually fit in specifically. Um, and I, you know, I was fortunate enough to land an internship with a, uh, a startup agency back home, um, that, uh, I was able to get specific in the social media space. And that ranged in so many different avenues in regards to like the type of content that, you know, the designers at the time were putting out uh, right. because it was just, it was so broad, right. You know, you had different things from illustration, you know, that may be a part of a brand to animation, to, you know, digital layouts, basic collages, all the whole nine yards. So it was very, very hard to kind of like hard down on a specific niche or even just a vertical that, uh, you know, that felt comfortable. Cause I was like, right. you get into it and you do it for a couple of weeks or months or so. And then you start seeing like another opportunity it's like, oh, that looks interesting to learn. It's like, okay, I'm going to try that out. And then you get sucked back into that same cycle and right, just keep right. repeating. Um, so it was, it was really tough, man. I, I, and even today I still struggle to kind of find out like what's like that space that I'm in to really help, uh, I guess like identify the type of uh, you know the type of design that I am. So uh, that's a, that's a really good question and, and something I haven't figured out fully just yet.
0: Yeah, I think that's so interesting too because when I look at your work, like it, I feel like it screams like your style. So that, that's just so interesting to think that like you still find yourself kind of feeling like you're you're trying to figure that out. That's that's really cool. Um, it's definitely. Yeah. So then you've had the chance to talk at multiple events. I'm not sure mm-hmm. all of them. Like I'm not familiar with all of them, but there's been a few, including Cancelled Con, which as of this recording was just last weekend, uh, with mm-hmm. Andrew Hawk So how did you kind of get into speaking at these events? What was like the first like What was the first conference or design event you got to speak at?
1: Man, so the. I guess the first solo opportunity that I had was creative South, you know, where we, where we ended up meeting at. Right. Um, it was, it was a very, uh, sporadic opportunity, I guess you could say. Um, so with the, with the agency I was with, you know, we hosted a, uh, some small like seminars where I had opportunity to kind of speak just a little bit, but I was never alone. Right. And, um, the previous year, uh, Creative South had put out a call for speakers, and you know they just—I think this was the first year they actually held an open application for um, people to actually apply and, and give topics and things that they can, you know, have the opportunity to talk about. Right. And I seen it, and I was like, you know, I don't, I don't see why not. Like, why not just go ahead and try this and just see what happens? Because the the year before that, I think it was 2018. Yeah, that's my first time attending Creative South, and and I loved it. It was my first conference and. For like in ever, like never right, been to a right. before that, and I was I was happy that Creative South was the first one, and I and I had the opportunity to talk with uh, Mike Jones, who you know who's the lead over there, and uh, Peter and Andrew, who, you know who handled, uh, hosted CancelCon, and they were they were such good people, man, and they they treated me like you know like I've known them for years before that, and I made it kind of a duty to make sure I go to each one every year. So when I seen the opportunity they were calling for speakers, I was like, you know, what, why not? Let's just let's just see what actually happens. And uh, I remember I was in Starbucks one night and I just said, you know, I'm just going to throw a topic out there. I got I got an idea of what I want to say. And um, and then I am just going to see if if they pull on it. Then uh, I got a call probably I say roughly a month after that or two or three weeks after that um, from Mike and and said, hey, man, we'd love to, to have you come and share. And, I, you know, excited as I was, I instantly went into an anxiety attack. Yeah, so I, yeah. oh man, I'm about to talk to so many people <laughs> um, and I had no idea what to expect. But um, luckily enough, you know, I was surrounded by people who really supported me um, and really helped train me um, to kind of get over that fear. And then getting there and actually talking to the people that were there and hearing their concerns and hearing about some of the things they were curious about. Uh, just made it much more worth it, man. And, and when I got the chance to step on stage and being able to see the the friendly faces that I, I conversated with, it it just gave me so much strength and uh, and it, it made that process a lot smoother. And I'm I'm forever grateful for the creative side team just to even allow me to uh, take part in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so like how you said that, last, or 2018 was your first year. So last year was my first year going mm-hmm. and and like hands down your talk was one of my favorites like like no joke i, I, I was that. i remember sitting there at one point and like realizing that i was like so ingrained in the talk that like i had completely forgot that i was like even you know in the springer or anything i was like <laughs> oh this is a talk that's what i'm doing right now
1: no so you, uh, that's awesome man. Yeah, i appreciate that.
0: you did really really great um and mike jones actually was on this podcast too i had him a little while back now um kind of talking about creative creative South which unfortunately you know has been postponed and all that but I'm looking yeah. forward to getting back at it next year and I think if you're gonna start speaking anywhere Creative South seems like such a good place just because so much about the conference feels like it's all mm-hmm. about community you know what I mean so and Most definitely mind you that's the only conference I've been to so far so I don't know what if that's the vibe everywhere but that really hit me when I went was just it was it was all about community and kind of you know getting to know each other.
1: Most definitely, yeah. They they did a really good job of making people really feel like family. Their their tagline is, is so direct and and it relates so much. You know, you come as friends and you know you leave as family. Uh, it's so true, man. Because I even uh, afterwards, you know, staying in contact with the people that I met and you know, obviously you know us here today on on the on the show just let you know like the type of vibe that they create there and, and it's definitely different than any other ones that I've experienced so uh shout out to them and the team and I'm definitely looking forward to uh to next years yeah for
0: sure. yeah for sure So then these kind of like events and all that. So like I said, like, I I know you did creative South and then I've seen that you've done a couple other ones from like your, your Instagram stories and things like that. So Mm -hmm. is this something like, like, do you enjoy giving talks? Is that something that you could see yourself doing more often?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. You know, I think, uh, having that opportunity and to get, you know, a lot of people's attention at one time, uh, I think it's truly inspiring for me, but I know it, it can be really useful for people like me, who may not necessarily have seen someone who looks like them uh, on a stage speaking about, you know, what we're talking about, you know, and right. even in the design community, um, there is, there isn't a lot of, of us, and I say like, uh creatives of color that really have a a stage and a platform really speaking their mind to a multitude of of that size right um so just being being in this position and having an opportunity is uh is 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 super amazing man and i'm forever grateful for it so i i look forward to more events in the future and i definitely will love to make it more of a vertical um you know, for future opportunities and, and hopefully, man, just inspire and open up doors. That's, at the end of the day, it's, it's really not just for me. It's really just to make sure that anyone else that's kind of in in a position where they, you know, they're just starting or maybe in a position where they're, they're feeling doubtful, uh, just to be inspired and hopefully open the doors for them, you know, in the coming years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that That's really, really cool. So then another kind of similar thing you you got a chance to speak on adobe live and it was actually with my friend colby uh colby kleitz yeah Yeah, so that was wild i remember when he said he was going to uh to adobe to do that and he said he was live streaming with you i was like wow that sounds dope
1: so (laughs) colby's amazing man that's that's my guy yeah i told him
0: i told him whenever uh whenever we were first talking about getting you on the show i told him uh, and i said i was gonna have to give him a shout out for that so there it is Um, no, shout out
1: to Kobe, man. Super talented designer.
0: I'll link that as well. They have those all up where you can go back and watch them, right?
1: Yeah, they have them on They have them on uh, YouTube. And I think it's on, uh, I want to say it's on Behance, maybe. Okay. But I know it's on YouTube for sure.
0: I'll find links and I'll drop that down below. So if y'all want to see some more of uh, Hank's work and, and my friend Colby, make sure to hit the link down there and check that out. So, but so, so you've kind of, so you've spoken at these conferences and these events and like physical things and then also sort of, you know, in these online things with Adobe Live. So do you think Mm -hmm. that speaking at those events, do you think that's like helped freelance work or helped you kind of get to other speaking events where people are kind of seeking you out? Is it, is it something that's kind of helped your career at all? Or do you think it's more just like a good experience in the moment?
1: Uh No, it's definitely, it's, it's a mixture of both. So definitely in the moment and just being able to see kind of the behind the scenes of how these big events operate, it, it's huge, man. It's, it, it blows my mind just to understand like the, pe- really get to know the people and like the operations behind the things that we enjoy like annually. Uh, but ultimately it did, it has a, a positive effect on my career so far. Um, just outside of the, just the work and opportunities, but just the people that I'm able to like legit call friends and yeah. um, call and text like any And these are just from people that I've looked up to, you know, over the past couple of years to be able just to have a conversation with them. You know, it blows my mind to, uh, to have them know my name. And, uh, and it definitely leads up to other future opportunities. Right? So I recently just got back. Um, I won't say just got back, but a couple of months ago earlier this year, I had the opportunity to speak in Morocco, uh, which is Northwest Africa. For the first time, that was my first time leaving, like getting out of the country ever. Wow! <laughs> and I never yeah, thought that awesome. would be possible, man. So it it opens up doors. So that's that's again, that's just kind of what you know I was referring to earlier. Is like, you know, if this is something that can open up doors for people like me and other people, definitely something I want people to be inspired by for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And like I said, I mean, you did a great job at Creative South. Uh, I I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot of the Adobe live stream, but I'm sure you and Colby killed it there too. So I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to another event where you're giving a talk.
1: Definitely, man. We're going to get you there for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about Hank's career and his design process. Are you a designer, videographer, or creative of any type? Then you need to be on Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with video courses created by professionals in their respective fields, giving you insight into how to take your skill to the next level. Whether you're learning a new hobby or pursuing a career, Skillshare has a class for you. With classes from creatives like Aaron Draplin and Roxanne Gay, there's no limit to how much you can learn from Skillshare. You don't want to miss this opportunity. Sign up today with the link in the podcast notes to get two months for free and take your creativity to the next level. Welcome back, everyone. So Hank, I want to dive a little bit deeper into your career and sort of your design process when you're working on some of your work. So when you're approaching a new design, whether it's for, you know, Instagram or a freelance client, what is sort of like your, your thought process? Is there any one thing that you're kind of always focused on, like, like a mantra or something, something that you always kind of work by?
1: Um... Yeah, so specifically uh, for freelance, if it's for a client, um, my big thing is I always want to make sure like what value I'm actually bringing with um, what they're hiring me for. Uh, ideally, I you know, sometimes clients do just kind of want cool things. But ultimately, I try to think around really like in Interrogate and see, kind of what problem I'm actually solving or identifying, right? And uh, and just seeing how I can be valuable in the sense of you know whatever it is I'm designing or creating. Before uh, that, um, personally with personal work and things that just do for fun, um, specifically for that, I, I just kind of get messy, man. To be honest, like you know if I have a concept or idea in mind, uh, if it's around illustrations, I try to just keep like a very loose sketch process. Nothing nothing clean, nothing uh, polished or anything. Just enough to get the ideas out. Um, ideally, I try to think about it like, you know, you have like a dirty pipe and you know, when you have a dirty or pipe, you have to like flush out the, the nasty stuff first before you get to like the pure water that comes out of there. Right. Um, So that's kind of the kind of way I think about just anything that I'm creating, if if it's personal, um, just to kind of get all the messy ideas out there and then hone in on those ideas that really uh, become something worth sharing. Uh, But in regards to just client things, uh, typically I I start with kind of a, a strategy and a discovery, just really get an understanding of why I'm being hired. And then ultimately that I can work backwards from there to determine the value. And then that gets into like, you know, the pricing and ultimately Uh, helping them reach the goal that they're trying trying to go for.
0: Right. So then if you have a client that's sort of like, like if they come in saying, you know, these are the deliverables we want, and mm-hmm. you kind of go in and you you talk to them a little bit more about what it is that they're trying to accomplish with this project. And you feel mm-hmm. like maybe, you know, what they want isn't necessarily what would help them achieve the goal they're trying to achieve. Would you then mm-hmm. kind of give a little bit of pushback and say, you know, well, I think that, you know, this would be a better solution to your problem than what you had proposed. Or do you just kind of err on the side of, you know, if that's what they want, then we'll, we'll roll with that. Yeah,
1: that's a really good question. So it's, um, It's a little bit of balance of both. In some cases, you may work with some brands uh, that have basically already know what they need or what they're trying to accomplish, but they just need execution, right? Right. Um, In some cases, I do have clients that come to me for one thing, but after just, you know, just asking questions and really listening to what they're, the problems that they think they're trying to solve, you end up discovering like what they're willing to pay me for is not necessarily going to be, uh, really useful for them, at least in the long haul. You know, immediately it may look nice and it may get you over that that hump for a little bit. But you know, in a the sense, there have been times that I've discovered like, hey, you don't necessarily need me to, you know, create a rebrand. It's just really a sense of like, okay, let's just switch up your website to make sure that you know you're getting, the you know, type of traffic that you're getting. But, and that's just a rough example, right? But right, right. Uh, but ultimately, that's that's I have had both experience where you know more larger brands have. Really, just need execution. Where on the other end, some some brands and companies really need more of a uh, diagnosis, uh, you know, before they actually get into any type of deliverables or things they want to really hire me for.
0: Right, right, yeah, that's really interesting. I I talked to a couple other people on the podcast as well with that pretty much that same question, and it all kind of comes back to the same thing. It sort of depends on the people. Uh, you know, what they have budgeted and what you can do for that and all that kind of stuff. Right. So definitely a lot of factors that go into it, but that's interesting. Must so then definitely. when you're working on like personal work, things that you're putting on your Instagram, you said you have kind of a loose and rough style. So like, are, do you have like a, a time set aside to sit down and work on things for your Instagram where like it's, uh, you know, once a week or once a day or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. do you have kind of time like set aside or is it more like as something pops into your head, you'll kind of just like sketch it out real quick.
1: Yeah. So early on it was definitely uh sporadic. So it was like, you know, if things popped in my head and I'll just go ahead and just make it, uh, it has gotten me in trouble a couple of times, it's hard <laughs> to admit, but, uh, uh, but yeah, early on that it was kind of, that was the case. But, um, nowadays i I budget time specifically just for doing things not necessarily specifically to share on instagram but just things to you know just to get done right you know most of the day in the mornings and you know early afternoons like you're dedicated to client work you have a to-do list and and deadlines to hit uh and and ultimately you got bills to pay right right sometimes you can get lost in that and where your mind is literally focused on everything being so i guess in air quotes like so businessy right um but you never really have that room in your in your brain to really think about the fun like 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 ultimately get into the the root of why you do why you do this right um so typically i'll try to budget roughly like an hour hour and a half a day to making something um ideally for fun and that's just anything from you know it, it can be illustration or just kind of exploring maybe a new style
0: mm-hmm. and then maybe
1: sometimes not even really make it anything it can just kind of be exploring you know other people's work like i'm on behance you know i try to get on behance like in the mornings and just get a sense of what people are making uh, and you know just kind of get inspired ultimately and, yeah. and again just kind of budgeting daily uh budgeting a time daily to really uh get something out of your brain or get something made strictly for fun. um, It's rewarding. And ultimately when you look back at everything that you do make, um, you can be proud of like where you are. And then ultimately you can kind of almost see a pivot is like, okay, this is what I like to do for fun. Like what's a way to monetize this and really um, get hired to, you know, be the person that makes the things that are actually fun.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's definitely something that, i i know i've you know that that's tough for anybody i feel like is is what mm-hmm. i'm getting at you know i feel like you always kind of have what you're passionate about and and sort of like the the one thing that you love to do and then it's a matter of figuring out how to monetize and that can be tricky especially Definitely. when like like i feel like if if we have like for instance i sell my designs as prints right but then mm-hmm. how do i convert from instagram then to like you know, an e-commerce site, and, and where do I sell them? And all and there's all that stuff that then gets kind of tangled up into it. And a lot of that, I feel like, comes down to sort of like social media. And that might just be me, I don't know. But my thoughts on it are kind of like you build your trust with the audience through social media, mm-hmm. and you kind of like show them what it is that you're about. And then, because uh, because I feel like what's going to convince someone to buy something is going to be more about. Their trust in who it is that's putting it out, and how they feel connected to that person or their work. and that comes from Definitely. like you were talking about earlier, kind of process and things like that. And I feel like that's something that like nowadays with so many people online, so many people on social media, it can be really, really difficult to kind of navigate through trying to like kind of find find your 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 target audience and kind of find the people that would be interested in it. so do you think do you think there's like like do you have any tips that would? kind of help people stand out in, in a digital age that kind of has so many people online all at the same time?
1: Yeah. So I I definitely understand the challenge and, and, and it doesn't help, you know, with things going on, you know, more people are in the, on social media nowadays than they ever have been before. Right. Um, I think in a sense for anyone is, one, and it's going to sound very cliche, but be genuine with everything that you're making. You know, like don't make just to be, you know, tr- too trendy or, you know, right. just kind of hop on like a, a hype for a little bit. At times, sometimes that can that can be okay, um, especially if whatever is trending is, you know, really close to you and, and it resonates with you. I think that's completely fine. Uh, but I think another way that can really push, push creatives, especially in the social space, to kind of. Um, find their voice or find like something they're comfortable with is participating in challenges, right? So, like, okay, um, right now I'm in the middle. Well, I guess I'm a little bit behind, but uh, <laughs> I was working on the 36 days of type. Yeah. I've been uh, loving on Instagram that. and it is super fun, and, but it's also very super challenging. Um, but what it's done for me, and it, and it may not be the same for everyone, but it's forced me to make decisions a lot quicker, and and ultimately stick to something that I can keep consistent. And that again, it, that goes to like the characters and the illustration style. Now, everyone may not necessarily have that type of skill set or that type of approach, but I think participating in challenges like that, to where you can do something consistently over a, a period of time, can allow you to make decisions daily. And ultimately figure out what it is that you what your strengths and your weaknesses are. So if right. you're an animator, you know, maybe a certain type of animation really fits to what your your strengths are and like kind of how you navigate, you know, through after effects or whatever the case may be. So maybe you participate in challenges where you need to do that daily. And then you start understanding, OK, what are some quick tricks that I can quick tricks that I can learn to uh, produce this same type of thing faster? Right. And then that allows you to make. Uh, mistakes faster, where you know, kind of, okay, I know that this will work or I have enough time to see if this will work. And then from there, just work backwards to see like, okay, does this resonate to who you are? Um, and also too, uh, um, there was a really neat section on cancel con, uh, Man, I think it's by uh, I can't. Um, she's gonna hate me because I can't remember her name, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's by uh, Darn Good. I know her name is Darn Good on Twitter. Okay, um, but she had a really, really good session on CancelCon uh, where she talks about like finding your style and really finding, um, you know, your voice ultimately in in this visual sense. And one of the things that she pointed out was that when you're discovering that, is don't look at other designers' work. You know, go in and like do google searches emma searches um and just collect things that you like like what all type of things that you like if you're into like horses outdoors nature like collect like videos pictures um whatever the case may be that talks to that right and then from that utilize like the things that you see what type of patterns did you see what type of colors do you see and how can you basically put that all in a melting pot that you can use consistently over time that clearly defines who you are. And over time you start, start seeing like how things are coming together. You know, it, again you know, you know how we talked about earlier when you post things, it can become discouraging if the algorithm isn't on your side. Right. But over time, when you start looking at your work as a, collection versus just individual pieces, you start to really find it, things that, that you can hone in on that can really define your voice as a designer in this world where everybody that has an account or even a cell phone has a profile. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Cause there's just so many people out there. Like it, it's hard and it's overwhelming sometimes, but no, that's cool. It's almost like that reminded me. It's like, you're, it's like, you're making a mood board for yourself. Which is cool. I've never, I've never thought about doing it like that. I I always fall into like, I'll find an artist that I like or a designer and I (laughs) kind of, you know, look at their work. But yeah, if you keep it more general and it's not with like specific people, uh, maybe it may kind of like fosters a little bit more of you being able to put your spin on it. That's interesting. That's very cool. So then, What kind of led to you starting to animate your designs? Because I think that's a feature that's really unique to you, and and there's a lot of people doing like you know motion graphics and stuff, but it's a little bit different with illustrations and kind of these characters, and Mm -hmm. I think it's really really cool. So how did you kind of get into that? Like when when did you start
1: animating your stuff? Um, so it was kind of a uh, a challenge for some of my friends. uh, Luckily enough, I'm I'm surrounded by a lot of. uh, very entrepreneurial guys. Yeah, <laughs> that I was looking for like, okay, what's next? Uh, it's a it's a good and bad thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was, you know, I was challenged, you know, with a, by a friend of mine that said, "Hey, man, like these illustrations are cool, but I wonder, like, what they, what can they do if they moved?" And um, you know, lucky enough, the fans out there, they they were so supportive and so nice and just kind of pushed me also. It's like, I would love to see this, you know, as an animated series or something like that. Now, obviously that was kind of a little bit out of my realm back then, but I started thinking, okay, like what are some like really, really simple ways to uh, bring these illustrations to life? So uh, when I got into you know, I was making these in, in Procreate and luckily enough, when you export these files, you have the option of making these Photoshop files. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so once I, I'll, you know, I started changing in my workflow and said, okay, I'm going to make, draw these with the intention of making them move. Right. Um, and it took a lot of, you know, it took a good bit of, uh, you know, YouTube, <laughs> YouTube yeah, yeah. trying to get back, get an understanding of everything. But um, once I kind of got the basics down and kind of honing on just like, how i simplify movements uh i started putting them in after effects man and then just gave them a little bit of motions, and then uh, i started to see like a workflow pattern that kind of made this a lot easier um and i just said you know let's just keep going and see what this does and uh, i know one piece in particular that I, I was super proud of that it was um i did an illustration of uh Jay Dilla, who's actually, ex- who's a, uh, famous producer. Uh, he, unfortunately he passed away a few years ago and, um, and it was the anniversary of his death, I believe, uh, last February, and I created an illustration for him, and I ended up animating it, and it and it did a really good job, and I was super proud of that. So that that was kind of fuel to the fire to say, okay, I want to start animating more of these and give them just a little bit more life, because they already tell so much of a story, in my opinion. I just feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of room for them to tell more of a story just through movement.
0: Yeah, for sure, and uh, that would be such an interesting project too if you ever did like like, I guess like a series of them or maybe like, I don't know that gets into then maybe just like full on animating, maybe you're not into that, but that could be cool. I don't know, somehow to tell like a bigger picture than just like, you know, one design too. Cause I love the animations. I think they're so cool. And like you said, they really do, uh, you know, bring, bring the animations to life. So that's very cool. Very, very cool.
1: Awesome. I appreciate that, man.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned that you work in procreate. So before procreate was a thing, were were you making mm-hmm. these illustrations before Procreate or or was there something else you were using before that?
1: Um, uh, I wasn't making these specifically. I was in Photoshop. Um okay. I did a little bit of illustration there, but I didn't really get heavy into back into illustration to roughly what I was like two or three years ago. Okay. Um, but beforehand it was just a lot of, you know, different type of design type things.
0: Yeah, yeah. So then does the process kind of look like for one of your designs as far as like, I guess, taking it from like sketch to a final product? What, what does that look like? Uh,
1: is it anything specific, like specific pieces?
0: There was one I think you did. That was really cool. It was a Martin Luther King one, I believe.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So as far as the process for those, um, uh, I tried to keep it very, very simple. Um, so one thing I do, know, like with illustrations, I'm not very, I guess you could say skilled when it comes to like hyper surrealism or like really getting into detail. I have an understanding of it. Um, but, you know, for these specifically, I try to keep them very, very simple. So everything right. starts with very simple shapes. Um, ideally, I start with just a, a stick person just to get the pose correct. I want to make sure like I understand kind of the a little bit of the anatomy uh, and just making sure like, I understand kind of where the body needs to bend. Uh, ideally you can kind of have fun with, uh, with these cause you know, they don't have to be so, I guess you can say correct. Right. Um, but from there I start, um, with the stick person and on top of that, I just go simplify shapes. Like everything is either a line, a circle, a square, or, uh, maybe a, you know, kind of an obtuse triangle or something like that, but right. nothing and other than that i don't try if it gets to where i have to like do like a squiggly line or make more than like two or three curves then that's not a shape i want to use and uh, yeah from there man i just uh keep layering until it's you know more and more simplified um from there i you know i get my shapes like more clearly defined like uh kind of like more of a solid marker type thing right? and then go into a color palette and just, just utilize, keep repeating different types of colors for like skin tones and, um, hairs and shadows and things like that. Uh, and then I get into the texture and then that's really where everything's starts to make sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really cool. And then going back a little bit deeper in your feet, I kind of touched on this earlier, but you have a mm-hmm. lot of like really cool typographic pieces. So it's more like, uh, like hand lettering and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So is that something that you still find yourself doing, but just doesn't quite make it to Instagram anymore? Or are you kind of working more on other projects now?
1: Um, I experimented with, uh, with it every now and then I, I haven't shared a lot of the latest ones I've done. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of a phase where I was really inspired by a lot of, um, lettering artists out there. Some of my favorite, like uh, Bob Owing, who's mm-hmm. an amazing yeah. lettering artist. Uh, day is who's another super talented lettering artist. And um, yeah, and just watching their work and seeing their growth, it really inspired me to get into it for like this period. And um, I just kind of went to explore. And I think this was really the time where I, I started to really explore Procreate and get into the, the brushes that were on there. And uh, I wanted to kind of see like, I mean, what the possibilities were. So I just went down and like took some lyrics of some of my favorite songs, some of the you know weird short phrases that I hear from TV shows. Um, I did one specifically with Bart, where he's like, "Eat my shorts" and things like that. <laughs> um, and just have some, just have some fun with it, man. And um, but it's it's definitely something I want to get back into yeah. and share a lot more of. It's just something I haven't just I haven't made a lot of time to get really heavy deep into it like I was before.
0: Yeah. So were you doing any of that kind of work, like any hand lettering stuff before you kind of started posting on Instagram and before you were in Procreate, or was that something that kind of like evolved as you were kind of, kind of learning your way around Procreate and all that?
1: Um. So I did a little bit before. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a few client projects that required a little bit of hand lettering. So okay. that was an opportunity to learn. Uh, I definitely wasn't nowhere near the level uh, as some of you know the people I talked about before, uh, where they are. But you know, I was fortunate enough to have some opportunities that forced me to kind of practice a lot uh, more manually and you know with you know tracing paper and markers and things like that. But once I got the app, it it became more of uh, a—I guess you can say—a duty to really get into it and and really understand like muscle memory with with strokes and uh, all. You know, basically all the the fine details of lettering, which I've still got a a long way to go to understand. But yeah, uh, being able to do it on the go and not be so messy, (laughs) and I had to keep it with so many papers, has definitely made it uh, more convenient and definitely something that I want to get back into for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm not much of a a hand letterer at all. And by that, I mean like I'm not, I I just don't know how to do it. And, Illustrations mm. also not really my thing, but I had the chance, it was a couple weeks back, maybe like a month or two ago. I was in an Apple store and I was playing with one of the iPad Pros and I'm telling you what, that was so fun. I was like just like trying to write things out and like draw things yeah. and I've never been one for sketching, but something about that felt so different. Like it was really really enjoyable. So, I keep saying if I ever can get myself to uh justify buying an iPad Pro, maybe I'll get into it.
1: Oh yeah, most definitely, man. It's it's worth it. I tell anyone, like if they are even on the fence of just buying an iPad, just do it. Like just go ahead and get it. Like you're, you're not going to regret it. Even if you, if it comes down to where you're not even using it and you can give it to like, you know, maybe like your kid or like a little cousin or something to right. play with it. It's going to get used like to its fullest. Like the one of the best investments I've made, honestly.
0: Dang. Making a convincing argument. You're going to make me go out and buy one in the <laughs> middle of all this. <laughs> it's
1: us do man. I'm, yeah. I'm working on some, some kind of ambassador or something. I need to get...
0: Yeah, there you go. You got to be a, getting uh, like royalties so or something back for it. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so then kind of like sure. some of the hand lettering stuff, you also had a lot of really cool like 3D pieces earlier in your mm-hmm. feed. So like, where did the idea for 3D type come from? They look dope, by the way. Like I've done a little bit of 3D myself and and those look really, really good. So where did the idea kind of come from to kind of start doing a little bit of that 3D type kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, man. So, um, I have a buddy here. Um, his name is Rahim. He's a super talented animator here. And, uh, I had the opportunity to really watch him start from the ground up when in regards to animation and, uh, and he's, I've been seeing him like kind of learn things on his own and develop new skills. And one day we were, we were doing some work together and he was asking me about like 3d or asked me to have, I used 3d or anything. And I told him I haven't. And I, and for the longest, and I feel slow admitting <laughs> this, <meaningless, laughs> but uh, for the longest, I didn't know why my cinema four d light, you know, with the Adobe suite was not working, and I didn't realize that you had to have, you know, I don't know what it is now, but that you had to have After Effects open even just to get the program to open. And it used to just blow my mind. I was like, why is this thing not working? And it just so happened one day I had both of them open at the same time. And I was like, okay, that's why it's not working. Well, now, see, I would have never um, thought about
0: that, though. Like, I've never used <laughs> Cinema 4D, but I would never think to do that.
1: Man, it, it just, man, I don't know why. It, it frustrated me so much. I was like, I'm not going to get into 3D. I'm just not going <laughs> to do it. <laughs> that's um, so funny. But yeah, man, I ended up finding that out. And, um, and I started just you know, getting messy with it, man. And and the more and more I got into it, I started to see more and more 3D artists that I was following uh, and just seeing the things that they were making. And it was it started to look so interesting. And once I started to see a few artists get into the, the I guess, the tight vertical around it, I started to say, okay, this is an opportunity to really like to try something and just see what actually happens. Right. Um, so I kind of went through this series where I, I basically just took, You know, quick four letter words, like just slang that I've heard and things that I thought that could be, that could look cool, kind of designed out. And, uh, I just started exploring, man, just getting into, uh, really understanding the basics of the interface and, you know, layouts and lighting and things like that. And I think the material is probably the hardest that, uh, I'm still learning, but I kind of got in this rhythm, man, and where I started to see, kind of like this efficient way to do, to make this series come to life where I can, you know, switch up the the materials, the lightings, the colors. And I was like, okay, this is something that I can, you know, kind of see it fully hashed out. And then from there, man, it was just history. You know, I did one, shared it just to see how, you know, what people thought about it and right. see if it's worth doing more. And then I just kept going and ultimately like it became, you know, really something fun that um, I'm actually really excited to get back into also.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I'd love to see more of it too because those are so cool. Uh, I feel like all the work too is like even even though you kind of have these phases, like I just vibe with all of it. So it, feel free to bring back any of it. You got it, a fan of me for sure. So if there's a young designer out there that's trying to kind of, you know, navigate finding their voice or their style and kind of just where they fit into mm-hmm. this whole industry as either a designer, artist, any kind of artist that you could think of, you know, what, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you could give them?
1: Hmm, really good question. Um I would tell them I would tell them be it's gonna sound cliche, but be genuine. Like whatever it is that you're making, like really Taking account of who you are, what you stand for, um, identify your principles, and create within those guidelines. Right. And, right. And be okay with being uncomfortable sometimes, because like even with all this, you know, learning new things can be very intimidating and sometimes scary. But it's it's medicine. You know, it, medicine doesn't taste good at all, but it's this it's what you need to to help you get better. Right. Um. But I would say, yeah, if foundationally just stick to your principles, stick to who you are and be genuine with everything that you're making and be comfortable and try to find comfort in being uncomfortable and know that anytime that you are feeling uncomfortable, you're growing. That's, uh, and that's, that's me preaching to myself, but yeah, uh, yeah. But I definitely hope that, that, uh, that helps anyone that's kind of on the fence or if you're thinking about getting into design or if you're already in design and you kind of feeling like at a, at a, uh, I guess you can say like a roadblock or you kind of stuck right. and not know what to do. Just you know, take a breather, step back, and take an account of who you are and stick with that and understand that where you, who you are got you here and it's going to get you through whatever it is that you're going through.
0: Dang, man. That's some good advice right there. I'm telling you what. That's, that's cool. Yeah, I appreciate
1: it. Well, <laughs> awesome, man.
0: Yeah, with that, I think we're going to wrap up today's show. But where can everyone find your work, Hank?
1: Definitely, man. So you can uh, visit my site at hankdesigns.com. Uh, I'm on social uh, social media everywhere. So you can find me on Instagram at I am underscore Hank on Twitter, which is the reverse of that, which is Hank underscore I am. <laughs> uh, and uh, check me out on Behance, Dribble, and uh, on YouTube. I'm on YouTube also, so I got a couple of videos up there. So, um, yeah, just find me and holler at me whenever. Cool, cool, yeah, and you guys definitely want to check out his
0: work. If you're not familiar with it yet, go check it out. You will not be disappointed. I I really appreciate you taking time uh, to sit down and talk to me today, Hank. For real, I, I know it's been you know we've been trying to line this up for a while in between our schedules. It's yeah. been wild. Things have been crazy. Um, and so I just I appreciate you taking this time out to sit down and talk to me.
1: Dude, I'm super grateful for you having me on here, man. And I wish you the best of luck. I've seen I've seen you working, so I'm glad this is this is with episode 17. 17 now. 17, man. I'm, I'm I'm, waiting for the 100. When you hit the 100, we're going to celebrate. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I appreciate <laughs> it, man. I appreciate it. For sure. Well, thank you again, Hank, for joining me today. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Creatively Brief. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on social media at Creatively Brief. I'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, have a great week, everyone. I'll talk to you guys in the next one.